Well, you only live once, maybe not. And this life right now might be all we've got. So let's contemplate the hereafter while we speculate with some laughter about this grim thing that happens to us all after that final curtain call. But before you take that final breath, let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and I am just kind of um, reflecting on my week. Interesting week. Started, uh, eh, it wasn't the first day of the week. Anyway, had another seizure. It happens. Shit happens. But the reason why I bring that up is because it's it's an interesting thing that happens. And there's a puppy out there who's not happy that I'm talking about this. But I'm just going to let him yell. It's interesting because when I have one of those seizures, I don't remember it. And I am just completely out of it. And it makes me wonder if that isn't something that kind of happens when, you know, when we go, when we die. Do we not realize it? At the actual moment. I mean, yes, when people are laying on their deathbed and they and they have that 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 almost willpower to be able to say, okay, I'm done, and they take their last breath and they're gone. But are is there a moment where you like almost just don't feel anything? Because when I have a seizure, time is gone. Time is lost. Um, and then I wake up saying some really, really wacky shit. Like, um, Angelique asked me uh, what my name was this last time, and I told her sandwich. So, but, you know, I had an interesting conversation with this one uh, friend of mine years ago when we were working on a short film. And I asked him, I was like, why is it that sometimes you'll have a memory and it'll trigger something completely unrelated? You know, um, uh, just as a random example, like, you know, you think about uh, going to an amusement park and then all of a sudden you think of a certain song that didn't come out until years later or whatever. And the way he explained it to me is it's like the, the brain is kind of almost like a, you know, like a hard drive. Uh, But he said that there's different enzymes that will kind of overlap with each other. So think of it, if you're, if you're a geek type person, think of it like sectors of a hard drive. And so they're going to both access the same point for certain things. And And it just really made me think about that. When I came, you know, from my last one, uh, the next day, my tongue is still sore from it. But, uh, you know, when I was sitting there and I was reflecting on, you know, how I chewed the shit out of my tongue and how I have no recollection of the actual time while it's happening. And, you know, how the brain is such a complicated machine. I mean, it really is. Think about it. It's, it's a bag of water. It's like jello calculating how to get to the moon. I mean, that's pretty freaking fascinating. You know, I mean, granted, some people's bags of Jello are uh, not quite as, you know, sophisticated as other people's bags of Jello. And I don't even know if it's Jello. I mean, I'm sure it's probably a little bit of meat in there, too. Let's just get just really gross with it. But anyway, um, yeah, I uh, uh, just it fascinates me. 
the, the, the whole concept. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I wasn't fascinated by what happens when that spark goes, you know, goes, uh, goes out. Where do we go? We got to go somewhere. But so, um, yeah, I one other thing that I want to I want to discuss also, and it's completely it's related, but it's unrelated, is the whole subject of covid. My guest today, we have a very direct talk about covid because she is in at the time, at least this was in, you know, towards the tail end of May. She was, she's, is living in the epicenter at the time, which is New York City. And I know I've had guests on both sides of the fence of how, you know, severe this is and how it's not that big of a deal. And, but, you know, it's one of those things that we do still need to take seriously, whether, whether you believe in it or not. I personally believe in it. I personally believe that this is something serious and it's not to be taken lightly. I wear the masks. I do all that. She's living in the middle of New York City and she sees ambulances all day long. And at the time, at least. And hopefully things have cleared up. I know I've read the news and, and um, you know, New York City isn't as bad as it had been in terms of uh, percentages. But it's still bad. I mean, shit, one case is still bad. But she talks about how she's able to see the makeshift morgues from her living room. I mean, that's some scary ass shit. And it's, it's something that we still don't feel, you know, fully grasp. And yes, again, I've heard people talking about how if someone dies from COVID and they have, or if someone dies and they have COVID in their system, they chalk it up a lot of times as a COVID related death. Well, why shouldn't they? Someone, you know, dies from diabetes. They don't actually die from diabetes. They die from the complications of diabetes. This could essentially be chalked up as dying from the complications of COVID because we don't know what it does. Shit, it does wacky shit like causes people to lose their taste. What the hell? There is no set in stone level of, you know, uh, uh, symptoms of this thing. So I think it's just a matter of erring on the side of caution at this point. Can it be taken to the extremes? Sure. Anything can. You know, you could turn your volume up to 11. That's to the extreme. Still rocking, but to the extreme. But I guess the point is, is I'm just saying we need to be decent with each other. You know, if, if somebody isn't wearing a mask, I'm not going to let it bother me. And if you're somebody who believes in wearing masks is, you know, inflicting upon your liberties, just let the person wear their mask. I mean, after all, if this is the land of the free, we should both be able to do what we want in terms of, you know, our own safety. So I, for one, again, I'm going to wear the mask. I keep saying that. And I hope a year or so from now we find out that this was a big overreaction. I keep saying that. And I honestly hope to God that's true. But in the meantime, we just got to kind of got to kind of write it out. So. My guest today is Allison Pena, a.k.a. Bad Widow, and she calls herself that because she has a husband who was a uh, prolific artist. He's done thousands, and he passed away, and it's interesting because 
she talks about how they lived life to the end. He did bucket list type things. He did he did that that honorable way of going out rather than just kind of, you know, I guess hiding in your in your house and and and, and waiting for it to pass over you. He went out and did until the end of his life. And I'm not saying that's what everybody has to do. Some people don't necessarily have it in them. Some people don't have the ability to do it. You know, some some people have that mobility and they're able to go do that. My brother was one. He went on a vacation with his family two weeks before he died. Took some major balls, in my opinion. You know, and then he came home and died in hospice. And Allison's husband did a similar type of thing. They did everything he loved. They did the bucket list. They did... You know, the, the thing you, 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 you dream of being able to have that opportunity. Of course, there's the dream of not dying. We all secretly have that to some degree. But if you know you're going out, being able to go out like a champ, that's, that's some heavy-duty stuff right there. So, I guess, well, let's get into it. And uh, this is my conversation with Allison Pena, Bad Widow. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I uh, sorry, I'm a couple minutes late. I had a um, technical issue with my recording software, so I got that straightened out. I was panicking. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Exactly, exactly. So, anyway, um, how are you doing though? Like overall, with uh, you know everything going on and all the craziness, and I uh, like I said, I hadn't. Uh, I purposely didn't listen to that other episode because I, I kind of wanted to hear everything firsthand. Um, Chris told me it was uh, a fascinating story, so I uh, I don't even know what to expect. So I read a little yeah. bit, uh, yeah, and and but I love the name. I you know I love that that right there really has me intrigued. And of course, with this podcast, I mean it's very fitting to have you on. So I'm glad you uh, decided to you know take me up on that offer. Yeah, I'm glad to. I'm glad to. Where are you at? Uh, I'm in Denver. Well, technically, okay. I'm north of Denver. It's an uh, area called North Glen. Okay. Yeah, I'm in New York City. So oh. we, we, we've we gotten hit hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you guys got, yeah, probably worst in the world at this point. So. Yeah, we'll have over 29,000 dead wow. by the end of this weekend. Wow. But yeah. we're we'll go over a hundred thousand in the country by the end of this weekend. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not a big deal. No one's taking it seriously, whatever, but <laughs> that's a, that's a topic in everybody's mind, you know? And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, unless you have somebody or know somebody who's had it, it still seems like one of those things that and not me, I'm not speaking for me, but it still seems like one yeah, of those yeah. things that the general population still goes, Eh, it'll never happen. You know, it can't happen to me. Just like death. That's why I bring up this, you know, this the whole point of this podcast is it's one of those things that everybody knows in the back of their mind is going to happen, but no one really thinks it's going to happen at any time soon, you know, even though we all have the possibility of getting in a car wreck. You know, the people who get in a car wreck right. don't expect to have that happen that when they go out to go see that movie, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was funny when when 
when I was taking care of my husband, Dave, um, I used to say to people, you will, uh, you will be a caregiver. You will have someone you love die. Yeah. And you will die yourself. Absolutely. You know, Those are that- three certainties. And people would go, wow, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, no, you are, you are, you're absolutely certain or, or, or correct, you know, and and I have, believe me, I've, I've met people who have never had anybody close to them die. And I'm like, what? But right. they're not done with their ride, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, but I can say this, I can count on probably two people, maybe even less that I've met that have said that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's one of those things that. Um, except for the select, you know, minute percentage, it affects everybody to some degree. You know, yeah, they may not be close with their grandparents that died or something like that. But on a long enough timeline in their life, they're going to know somebody that is is close to them that's going to die. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, in this country, that's now 100,000 families that have been impacted. Exactly. By the end of this weekend. 100,000. That's, That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And for, you know, to be it, to have it not be taken so seriously. And, and I've said this, I've said this before. It's like, you know what? I would rather err on the side of caution and a year from now have them go, well, you know what? More people died from swimming pools. That's one of those, that's one of those things that everybody loves to bring up. You know, it's been brought up on some of the talk shows and that. And it's like, yeah, maybe, except for the fact is, is that you kind of know where you're at with a swimming pool. You know, you kind of know where you're at with a car. You kind of know, you know, this is one of those things where you could wake up in the morning and I've heard of people all of a sudden having symptoms by the end of the time they're watching a movie, you know? And it's like, it's, it's just, it's, it's a silent killer and no one knows who has it. No one knows who's going to get it. And, you know, and I had a guest that's talked about, we need to be exposed, you know, to, to the virus. And, and yes, I agree. That's how that's how people build up immunities. However, you don't go running full tilt into that fire. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I I had a conversation with a guy who's in Richmond, and he said, "Well, you know, it's no big deal here." And and the fact of the matter is. I wear a mask in my elevator. I wear a mask to go down to the laundry room. I wear a mask in the street. I can count ambulances from my window when I wake up in the morning. 100%. The the, the medical examiner's office is on my street. Oh, wow. I can see the refrigerated trucks. Yeah. You are living right in the middle of the horror story. And and what's scary is where I'm at. It doesn't look like anything's changed. And I'm north of Denver. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm out in the sticks, you know? Right. Because we go out maybe right. once a week to go get groceries. We wear our masks. You know, in our car, we don't. We probably should. But when we leave, you know, when we go, we get in the car, like whenever we do takeout, masks are on. We go to Target or something like that, masks are on. Anything like that, masks are on. We wash our hands a million times, you know? Because yeah. I, yeah. It, it's one of those things that, Every day they're learning something new. They're learning now that the particles can stay in the air in one spot for upwards of eight minutes. They didn't know that two weeks ago. Right. You know, so it's it's something right. that it's it's evolving 
not because the virus is evolving so much at this point. And yeah, there's probably some of that, but it's evolving because our knowledge of it is. Well, exactly. And we have something like 98 children, most of them under the age of five, who have some something associated with this virus. Yeah. And so they, this virus children is, aren't exempt. What's that? Children aren't exempt. Exactly. That's the other thing. You know, we, for, for the first month, it was like, ah, it only affects the elderly and people who have pre-existing conditions, you know? Yep. And then yep. all of a sudden there were these quote-unquote anomalies that happened. It's like, no, this is this might as well be smallpox. This might as well be the Spanish flu. This might as well be something like that. It needs to be treated that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I mean, the other the other piece of it is that when, when you encounter a person, um, you don't know who they have in their circle who's Bingo. vulnerable. You got it. You got it. And honestly, so, it, 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 yeah, no, continue. Sorry. Yeah, so it, so that ripple effect, like my, so my husband uh, left behind his his mother, who's now ninety seven. Wow, good for her. Lives, yeah, she lives a block from me in her own apartment. That's she has awesome. no help. If I get sick, she's going to run out of food. Yeah, yeah, that's and that that's it's those un underlying effects and ripple effects that people don't think about, you know, and, and this is a thing that blows my mind yeah. is the country, you know, on, on a whole is like, well, we'll slowly reopen. It's like, do you realize that it only took a handful of people to bring it here? Supposedly, right? you know, right. If we get it down to 99.9 and a thousand zeros, well, not a thousand zeros, that would be, <laughs> but, but a hundred zeros, that would be a yeah. handful of people. And that's enough to spread it again. People can catch this twice. Yeah. You know, it's just, it blows my mind. And, and, but you know what? I have a, I have a, I have a, not a solution, <clears throat> excuse me, but a, uh, an idea. Treat this like, and I was just talking with someone about this recently. Treat this like smoking in the sense that if people who don't want to wear their mask and businesses who don't want to do the masks and businesses that don't want to turn people away who aren't wearing a mask, et cetera, et cetera, let them do it, you know, but have them sign some kind of waiver or something like that. But basically it's like, just like a bar. I personally think bars should be allowed to have smoking. I've had debates with people about that, but if it's a bar that has smoking and I don't want to be around smokers, I just won't go. Right. You know, and treat this like that. Allow the people, and then we'll we'll be like, okay, let's see where the where's let's see where the chips fall. You know, if you guys were right, this is going to show us. If you guys were wrong, well, you signed a waiver. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the thing that really aggravates me is those um, the TikTok pranks where people are coughing in the faces of CVS workers. Wow, or I haven't heard about this. That, Oh yeah, That's yeah. Disgusting. Or licking licking the produce, or um, you know, oh, I'm sick, <laughs> and 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 you know, that's not okay. That's Advancing actually that should be criminal. Without COVID, who knows what else yep. they've got? I mean, that's honestly that that should if it's caught on security cameras, it should be at least a minimum of a fine. Well, exactly. And and those um, protesters who were advancing on that reporter who had a mask on. Ugh. Okay, you don't want to wear a mask. Stay six feet away. You got it. 
And not only that, you know, what, what ticks me off is about the people who are protesting this thing are the same people who will get in your face about their beliefs. And that's fine because it's their beliefs. You know, that right. I just uh, I've yeah, in, in Denver here they had uh um I don't know. People say it was staged, whatever. If it doesn't, uh, this is the one thing about human nature is if it doesn't coincide with their beliefs, automatically there's an excuse about it. You know, you could say, well, right, look at right, Snopes. Right. Well, Snopes is owned by that side of, that I don't agree with. So, of course, it's going to be rigged. You know, whatever. You know, it's like everybody has an excuse. People love to play the victim. People love to point fingers. And this right here, this is opening up all the windows of all that crap. And, yeah, it's – but anyway, there were there – were, uh, uh, like first responders blocking traffic when they were trying to storm the Capitol here and they were almost getting run over, you know, they were getting honked at, et cetera. And, you know, it's just <sighs> this That's thing. Crazy. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts, you know? And unfortunately now people think they have the right to be able to physically voice themselves. You know, I mean, yeah, there's a right to free speech. I agree. I complete a hundred percent agree with that, but don't use this as your platform to cause harm to other people. You know, so this is not an excuse to do anything like that. Right. Exactly. I mean, but it's, it's given license at the top of the government. That's part of the problem. Bingo. That's the problem. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. There's the, I don't know what your politics are, but from my perspective, the bully at the top of the government promotes bullying. Yeah. Well, and, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like one of those things, like if here's, here's the way I look at it is if I worked at a job and the boss was drinking on the job, am I going to not drink on the job? Well, if I'm not a drinker, maybe. And if I have, you know, uh, um, a certain work ethic, I wouldn't, but if I, if I was kind of like ambiguous, yeah, I'd probably drink on the job. And that's kind of however people are treating it. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah, my politically, I'm pretty much in the middle. I, I, because there's, there's things to both sides that I'm not a big fan of either way, you know, but, um, believe me when it comes to this and, and I'm not one of those people who, you know, just sits on the, on the sideline. I kind of, I try as much as I can and I can't, I can't pay attention to all of it, but I try as much as I can to, you know, research or at least learn as much as I can about, uh, uh both things going on. And, and I do lean a little more to the left, admittedly, but, uh, yep. but not strongly, you know, um, because there are signs to both that I, that I do agree with. It's just that the stuff that I don't agree with on the one side, I really don't agree with, you know, and that's uh, admittedly the stuff on the right that I don't agree with. So, um, but anyway, enough about politics. So <laughs> tell, me, <laughs> tell me about it. It's sad that this health crisis is a political thing. That is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous that there would be a, a threatened a threat to withhold aid from Michigan. Right. You know, and you in know. fact, that area in Michigan is so I'm originally from the Chicago area and I moved to Michigan when I was okay. about 13. I grew up in that area, that area that's getting oh, devastated. Wow. Yeah. I, I lived in Saginaw and then Bay City and then mm. Midland. It was called the Tri-City, Saginaw, Bay City, Midland. Um, we lived in Saginaw, then we moved to Bay City, but there's a Saginaw River. There's like three rivers. In fact, they always show that thing called a tridge. There's three rivers right, that right. kind of come together. Um, and one of them, you know, flows uh, down into, I'm trying to remember how it works. But uh, regardless, the Saginaw River is tied into that river system somehow. And um, 
Saginaw would flood. Whenever any of those other cities flooded, usually it did. And Saginaw got some of it, and Bay City got some of it, but Midland got the brunt of it. So, yeah. Yep, yep. You know, and it's it's one of those things where, well, <laughs> yeah. It's having to deal with that right now on top of having to have social distancing. I don't know how the hell they're going to even be able to fix this. No, no. You know? Horrible. It's, yeah, but... Because that's that's yet another, you know, disconnection to lose your, basically lose your entire community. Yeah. On top of being connected to your neighbors and your community. Totally. Uh, I mean, it, it's horrific. Yeah. Well, and Michigan was, I mean, it wasn't anything like New York, but the Detroit area was in the top five for a while there. Um, in terms, yeah, they've been having a hard time. They've been yep. having a hard time. So, and and Michigan is a broke state as it is. You know, that's that's yep. it's that's been that way because you know you're talking the auto industry. Well, the auto industry has been struggling for the last thirty years, basically. So, um, longer even. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but again, you know, it'll never happen to me. So, <laughs> it's just it blows my mind that there's all this evidence out there and people still act like it's a conspiracy theory. But I mean, let's be honest. There are people out there who think that birds are drones, you know, so government drones because they're going to come steal their thoughts at night or something. I don't know. But um, yeah. And, and and they're wearing tin foil. <laughs> tin, yeah, totally. You know, and 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 I think there it's gotten to the point where it looked like it was started as a joke. But now there's something like 70,000 people who some of them seem like they're really believing it. Well, let me look at the flat earthers. You know, the moon is right. Right. Uh, what was it? Stanley Kubrick uh, uh, created the whole moon landing. Well, I know for a fact that that didn't happen because my dad worked on the Apollo missions and helped design the shielding. So I oh, know wow. they said, yeah, yeah, that they sent people to space. You know, I mean, it's like that. That was kind of what the whole plan was. It wasn't just a science fiction film. But, uh, you know, you're going to talk to people who are going to argue because it fits their agenda to some degree. But um, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. I enjoy some of those things because I enjoy the sci-fi side of it, you know. Right. But I right. don't believe any of it, you know. I, I like to dabble in it, but I don't sit there and go, oh, yeah, no, the, the higher echelon is all lizard people, you know. But whatever. No, I mean, I think that there are things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, that, that all life can't be explained. And totally. that there are mysteries that are, are um, you know, that, that maybe there's other life in the world. It would be surprising in the galaxy. It would be surprising if there weren't. Yeah, exactly. In some form. That, well, and that's, you know, that's something that has been brought up uh, uh, recently is the whole, the fact that the government, and this is also one of the conspiracy theories, is the fact that the government basically admitted, yeah, we've seen UFOs. We, we, and, they, and they put that out there and it just kind of got washed over because of this COVID, you know. People are like, right, right. oh, we're, we've got aliens out there? Okay, cool. That's neat. Um, let's get back to what's important, you know, and it's like, whereas yeah. 20 years ago, that would have blown our minds. We'd all been like, holy shit, these things are out there, you know, and now it's just like, yeah, no. Okay. What next? Okay. Well, is God, oh, Godzilla. Okay. Whatever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely crazy though, that the, the way this thing has changed the perspective of everybody, Yeah, you know, but, and like you said, there aren't any answers and that's. 
or there, there aren't answers for everything I should say. And that right there is why I did this podcast, because this is one of those things that you don't have the answer until you're there until you're gone. You know, yeah. a lot of people think they have the answer, but, and I'm happy for them if they totally have faith and, and, and they are hundred percent certain because I'm open to any possibility. I'm open to the fact that we are particles under the thumbnail of a fourth grader somewhere. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm open to any of that stuff because I, you know, and I have a strong belief that there is something that there, there's a, a prime mover of force of some kind, but what that is, yeah. I don't know, you know, but, um, that's that's why I'm fascinated by the subject, and that's why I do this is to hopefully, you know, bring a little bit of peace of mind to people. Of yeah, there are possibilities out there, so of what it could be. So yeah, that brings me yeah. to uh, uh, I gotta know. So it, it, bad widow, tell me about this. Bad widow. So after after my husband died. Um, what I discovered is that people had all these ideas about how I should be dealt with and talked to and acted around and, um, and most of them were wrong. Okay. And so I wound up just getting mad a lot, um, because people were saying stupid things or doing stupid things, or they were, um, doing things for me that they would want done they thought if they were in my position projecting basically, but they didn't ask me. Yeah. And I couldn't have answered. Okay. And, um, so, so bad widow was bad widow was the point at which I decided I was not broken. Nice. And that I would, was going to debunk all these poor assumptions. And I was going to educate people at, about a better way to do it. Nice. And I was going to share what I had learned in the course of the time when Dave was dying and after he died about how to thrive even in the face of death. That is awesome. That, um, so uh, if you don't mind me asking, what when did, when did Dave die? He died um, September... 10th, 2016 at 10, 10 in the morning. Okay. And he, and he was, um, we found out October 12th. You remember these things Oh yeah. in 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We remember these things. Totally. Um, he had been not feeling well for a few months and we had been to the ER three times to urgent care twice yeah. to, you know, to, to several doctors and nobody could tell us what was wrong. And eventually one of them said, uh, get a CAT scan. So we got a CAT scan and then we got a call. You need to come see the doctor today. Wow. It's never a good sign. No. Never a good sign. So we went in and they, um, they said, um, you have stage four pancreatic cancer, probably. And you need to uh, see an oncologist today and you need to get a biopsy done today and you need to. um, And so I remember being in the um, pharmacy 
and calling up the doctor that they had given us, the oncologist. And they said, well, we, we can get an appointment for you in four weeks. And I said, no, you're giving me an appointment today. Yeah. Not four weeks today. Um, and that was it. And basically when you have stage four pancreatic cancer, the lifespan anticipated life lifespan is six weeks to four months. Yeah. That, that one, from what I understand, because I've known people who have survived cancer. I've known people who've died from cancer from everything I've ever read or researched. That one is pretty much, that's the big one. That's the one there usually is no recovering from, especially stage four. There is none. That's, yes. that's a death sentence. Some live, most die. So most basically die. they say, you know, wind up your affairs, put everything in order, Damn. and you might have six weeks. Damn. And um, so my husband was, he he was a professional painter. Okay. Um, he also ushered in the theater. He was six foot three. He weighed 263 pounds. And by the time he died, he weighed 146. Holy shit. And how long did the span of time? 11 months. Wow. And basically what the doctors said was, um, you know, slow down, do less, um, stop doing all the things you do, just, you know, stop and rest basically. And what we decided to do instead is just live full tilt boogie till the end. (laughs) There you go. Because in the face of death, you know, we knew that most likely, and we fought every day for more time. Yeah. And basically the doctor was amazed and said, just keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) But, you know, but I, I reorged our entire life. So that as his energy waned, um, he was doing more and more of what he loved to do. So he loved to paint. He loved to play tennis. He loved to see his friends. And I said, okay, you know, paint. When he was on oxygen, I had brought his watercolors home. That's awesome. And he, yeah, so he finished his last commissioned painting on the Thursday before the Saturday he died. Wow. And I called his friends and I said, you get your butts up here now, because if you don't, you might be too late. And so his friends came while he was, you know, at home, while he was on oxygen, while he was losing weight. Um, and, and talk to him about art. Nice. And he, you know, he went and played tennis and he used to love to go and play for six hours and maybe he could play for one and maybe his balance was off. So he, he fell on the court and then he got up and he played. But the point was in the face of death, what was there to lose? Living? Yeah. That that's, you know, uh, my, one of the reasons why I, I did this podcast, uh, what inspired me, I should say, to do the podcast is I myself lost three close people to me within like a four month period of time a couple years ago. Wow. I had a friend of 30 years who was like a brother to me, found out the next mm. morning he was gone. 
no, no, uh, you know, no real idea of what it was. They assumed it was diabetic, you know, diabetes related. But, you know, again, it was just sudden. Another friend who was a mutual friend of ours died uh, two or three months later. The one died in April, May, June, July. And then my brother, the reason why I bring this up is my brother also died in August and wow. he had cancer and his, they weren't able to figure out what it even was. It was getting to the point where they're like, oh, here's more, here's more, here's more. And they, they thought it was lung cancer. They thought they had it. And he had a similar kind of attitude. He went on a trip down yep. to Florida with his family two weeks before he died. He knew he was dying. He came back, got in the hospice and then died. But yep. he was like, you know, same attitude. That's, that's, what do you got to lose? Yeah. I mean, and I see, I see these people with this. COVID-19 and they say, well, but I don't want to die. I, I haven't done all I want to do. And, and my response is, okay, so get to it. That's awesome. Get to it because if this came to you and in New York, it is in our face. Yeah. You know, 29,000 people will be dead from COVID-19 by God. the end of this weekend. That's a city. That's a lot of people. That's, that's a small city. That's how many people yeah, live in the town I came from to move out to Denver is about 30,000 plus, you know, and that's just the beginning of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is, that is so awesome that you've got, you have physical proof that doing what you love is going to extend your life and probably get them through this. Possibly. I, yeah. I mean, I am convinced that he would not have lived so far beyond the usual amount of time if we had not just had him do what he loved. And for me, I needed to also prioritize things I loved or I was not going to survive I told because you it was hard. It was hard. Um, it is really hard. One of the things about some of the chemo is you lose your hair. Yeah. And so my husband cut his hair short <laughs> so that when he lost it, it wouldn't be so devastating. Yeah, totally. That make that makes sense. That's, that's forward thinking in the sense of, yeah, if you had a full head of hair and all of a sudden it started falling out, you're going to a notice it and B you're going to miss it. But it was, um, was probably two days after he cut his hair. He loved to ride the city bikes around the city. Mm-hmm. You know, they're bikes you just take out of a, a a a lock and then you can ride it and then you lock it up again and, and go off. Yeah. Um, and he got on the city bike and he was riding and suddenly there was something in his eyes and his eyelashes were, were flying off. Oh, wow. And his hair was flying off his head. Wow. And so within like within a week of when he cut his hair so it wouldn't be so devastating. He was almost bald. Damn. It was horrifying. Damn. And so there's a, you know, to watch that and witness that and try and support through that is just this feeling of complete helplessness and hopelessness. Um, and, And so for me, I had to make sure I did things that would remind me that I wasn't just a caregiver because when you're a caregiver, especially when it's a terminal situation, you know, 
my husband and I were together. We missed 25 years by three weeks. We oh, missed wow. our 20th anniversary by three weeks. Yeah. So we have been together most of most of my life, most of his. Um, and and we were looking at a time pretty soon where our time together would be over. Yeah. And so I. And and, that and was, not by choice. You know, not by choice. not by choice, not by, you know, happenstance or I mean, that's the thing is it's like in some regards, people who die suddenly are yep. luckier than the ones who know they've got an end date coming soon. Yeah. You know, because you're looking, you're, you're staring down the barrel right there that whole time. Yeah. That's yeah. And you said you said you he he lived eleven months as opposed to the normal six weeks to four months. Yeah. See, that's amazing because you you didn't just buy him laying in a bed. You bought him quality of life. You got you both did. You know, you guys got him quality of life of eleven months that he would have probably probably if he had just you know given up for lack of a better word would have ended up in hospice within a few weeks and then just kind of withered away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Yeah. It makes I'm sense. I'm convinced of it. And, and it was a really amazing and really scary and really awful time. So we were doing much more of the things that we loved. We were knocking off bucket list items. So <laughs> for me, excellent. you know, I wanted to speak on a stage about the work that I do and I wanted to, I've sung in choirs excellent. forever. Yeah forever. And I wanted to sing on a cabaret stage. And so in the course of the time he was dying, I took two cabaret workshops and I sang on four cabaret stages. <laughs> that is awesome. And, um, the week he died, the Tuesday before he died, actually, I had my mom come over and hang out with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and he basically shoved me out the door. He was on oxygen by then. Okay. And we couldn't count on the tanks lasting, you know, yeah. to take him, take him there. Um, he had seen earlier shows that I'd done, but that one he didn't make. And the songs I sang were, I will survive. Everybody says don't, which is a lot in the flavor of Bad Widow. Like, don't tell me what, what to do and don't tell me what to say and don't tell me how it is. Um, and the end of it is I believe in miracles and I insist on it, actually. <laughs> um, and then the last song I sang was called The Secret of Happiness, which is about happiness is being in the present. Yeah. Be because, you know, with a limited time to love each other, we recommitted to loving each other. And if we had done 20 years of marriage, the way we did that last 11 months, even how hard it was, it would have been a different marriage. I'm sure. You know, because it sharpens up what's really important. That And, and that's exactly it. That's, that's one of those things that I'm hoping, you know, people start realizing is, is I, I I don't want to say preach, but I preach the whole anti-materialism, all that kind of garbage, because that stuff is just stuff. If all of a sudden, right. 
you know, people think that that validates them and that makes them happy. And like you said, live in the moment, live with, you know, there's a, there's that Cheryl Crow song, uh, soak up the sun. And she's like, it's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. Yeah. And it's so true, you know, and, and being happy in the moment and being happy with, with, you know, as much as you can. I mean, yeah, there's, there's limitations to some degree, but you guys broke through all kinds of things that would have knocked anybody down on their ass. Yeah, I mean, life knocks you sideways. Take a look at the country. Between COVID-19 and the economy, everybody's upside down. Totally. You know, so then the question is, and, and this is one of the things that these kinds of times can teach us, then the question is, how do you not be centered by what's outside of you, but what's inside you? Yeah. Like, how do you find that? Um, and and the thing that I did, so we were scared a lot. I can only imagine. Um, and so I, I made up this meditation where we would just sit together or lie down together and we would, I would um, imagine, you know, do this kind of guided thing. Imagine love just lapping up the toes and then lapping up to the ankles and then lapping up until we were filled up with love. I like that. And, um, it was a practice, you know, whenever we got scared because it, it, it had us know that that piece was strong. And so the day The day he died, we fought, I fought, really, to not put him in hospital hospice because I knew that in my own home, I could control the fear, grief, and anger that runs around places like hospitals. Yeah. You know, and I saw those as really dangerous. And so what we wanted was we wanted for him to die at home. And I can't even tell you how many people said, well, you can't handle it. (laughs) You know, what if he, what if he soils himself? But, you know, if you have a child Mm -hmm. and the child poops, (laughs) don't put it in hospice. Yeah. And, and they said things like, um, put on gloves to touch him. And I thought, how horrifying that is. Yeah, that that makes everything so sterile and, and, and yeah, now, I know exactly what you're saying. I can't put it into words, but that's, that's yeah, that's awful. It's crazy. That's crazy. The human touch is what is necessary most at that time period. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, but there was a lot of push, you know, you can't handle it. What if you have to put him in? And I said, you have no idea what I can handle. <laughs> and no, I, d- I don't have to do that. And so that morning, um, the the song from Ghost came on. From uh, Ghost. And I, from the, the movie Ghost. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. I was trying to think of the, uh, the one. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, with uh, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Exactly, yeah. And I thought, okay, this is the day. Wow. This is it. 
and I was holding him in my arms and he was, he said, you know, um, what about the studio? Cause he was a professional painter. He had a studio downtown. Um, what about my mom? What about, and he asked me about all the things he was concerned about. And I said, yep, I've got it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And, um, and we've been doing this love meditation, as I said. So I, I said to him, you know, in a body, you need breath and love. And outside a body, all you need is love. When you're ready, go out on the love. And I was literally full length, both full length, holding him in my arms. Hmm. And he took four breaths and went out on the love. I've had several guests on my show and you're the first to bring me to tears. But what better way to go? Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was a doctor and actually I was, I was, and I said, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to call this person and do that. And she said, you don't. You can take all the time you want. And I sat there and I held him for an hour. Wow. With nobody around. I mean, I called and I said that he was gone to Pete, to his mother, to my mother, you know. After a while, yeah, I didn't. I did not call the person to come and get him until like four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, recently I just learned that there's studies that the body has potentially has consciousness for upwards of an hour after it's stopped. You know, the brain stopped, the heart stopped. So yeah. just think what you did for him there. Yeah, I mean, we just he was just. In the house, yeah, lying on the bed for most of the day. I I will say, um, when when the the people came to take him away, I hid in the bathroom and I had my mom, <laughs> yeah, do that part. No, <laughs> I, I I could only imagine. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do that. But you know the the actual. The actual piece of his passing away was really beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. Well, there's a, it's almost as if the person knows when it's okay. Like you said, he was asking those questions. It was, it, you know, you told him it's okay. And it's like the body finally just goes, okay, it's time. My, my, my dad died when I was 11. I wasn't there, but my sister told mm -hmm. me, uh, and he of course died in the hospital. You know, he died tubes all over, all that kind of stuff. He didn't die a very, you know, comforting type of death. Um, we met, he managed to hang on for a few days for the whole family to come into town. I had a brother who was in the military, et cetera. Um, yeah. So we were all able to say goodbye. But uh, my sister tells me stories of how it was my mom basically was like, we're going to be okay. And two breaths later or so he was gone. Yeah. 
you know, it's like, it's like the body wants to hold on and then it knows, I think it needs that confirmation sometimes. And you gave him yeah, confirmation. Yeah, and he was starting to see, um, he was starting to hear from people sort of across the veil and, yeah. and talking to people I couldn't say, see. And, and I, I, I was just saying, yep, that's real. I, yeah. I said, you know, you're, you're going back and forth. It's, it's all good. Yeah. You know, it's fine. And, um, and that, that's, that's the thing is it's like, there are, <clears throat> you hear about near death experiences, you hear about things of that nature. And, you know, and of course you got your naysayers and, and people saying, you know, that that's not, again, how do we have proof? We don't have answers for everything, you know? And more importantly, yeah. personally, I think that the other side is another dimension. He's crossing boundaries in that regard. You know, he's he was crossing boundaries. He was seeing, he was seeing what would, what would bring up certain people, you know? Right. I mean, people he probably or possibly hadn't thought about in a while. And all of a sudden he's seeing them. You know, it's, yeah. it's just yeah. one of those things where, yeah. So that, and know, he's been, he's been a lively ghost as well. He's what? He's been a very lively ghost. Oh, really? Oh yeah. That's interesting. Cause that's, I, uh, that's one of the things I do. I've got, uh, uh, worked with, a uh, 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 some, well, a friend of mine, uh, Steve, and we got, we did ghost hunting, uh, documentaries we got 10 of them up on amazon and uh oh wow yeah yeah they, they've got quite a following we uh we get a lot of people uh you know fans that watch them from all over the planet it's kind of fascinating actually um but uh yeah so now you're talking another thing in my language there and that's one of the things that makes me <laughs> say it can't be this can't be the end you know well yeah i mean he he was around a whole lot in the first year after he died so I was, I remember I went into the bedroom and I was just feeling really down and he turned on the TV in the living room <laughs> and I came out and I'm like, dad, Dave, I'm not in the mood. Please stop doing that. <laughs> and I went back, turned off the television, went back into the bedroom and he turned it back on. Oh, that's awesome. And then I, then I unplugged it <laughs> because he couldn't. <laughs> He couldn't do that. Yeah. But he, you know, he has, I have friends who can sense or see ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, so there are two places in particular where he has gone with me. He okay. tells the woman I do singing bowls with jokes to tell me. <laughs> um, you know, uh, he used to send me song sequences to answer questions. Interesting. When I, yeah, when I published my first um, my first online course, my phone was across the room, and it came on and said, "Come on, go higher." That song. Okay. Um, I was in a, a writing workshop at a friend's house, and there were. Um, four bulbs in a, a lighting fixture on the ceiling. And I said, you know, this is really a bad piece of work. I think it's terrible. And the light immediately over my head went out. <laughs> and I said, okay, Dave, 
I'll stop being mean to myself. And it went back on. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. he's done, he's done that a lot. <laughs> um, I have a, a boyfriend and I was at his place sleeping in the bed and he came out of the bathroom and he said there was a man standing over the bed looking at me. Wow. And there was nobody there. Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so he's been, you know, it's, I, I'm absolutely convinced that love is a rope between love and death, between life and death. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can agree with you on that one. You know, and, and if you listen, they can communicate if they want to. I, what, before I started doing the official, uh, uh, you know, doing the documentaries and things like that, this was back when I was like 20 or so. Yeah, I mm-hmm. noticed that if you listen really close, you can hear whispering, chattering. Yeah. yeah. I, I choose not yeah. to. Because I've had a couple times where it's talked to me and it freaked me out. And I went to my girlfriend's house and stayed for a week. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> because it was like, I didn't expect that, you know. Um, but yeah, if you focus really, I, I, I'm convinced you can hear something. You can hear the chattering. It's almost like a, yeah, like a whispering, like a kind of kind of thing, you know. But um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have more, people have different... I, I have um, I have a friend who is does it very infrequently, but is able to have someone come inside just like ghosts okay. and talk. And so I was with her, and she took my hand, and she said, "Did they lose tooth in the back on the left side before he died?" And I said, "Yeah, he had a crown that had fallen off." She's like, oh, my gosh, he's in. (laughs) And she told me sort of what he was seeing and what he was doing, that he was painting. And So what what did she describe that he saw on the other side? Because there's no point in asking you what do you think happens when we die because that's the big question of the podcast and we're already kind of already in it. So what did she say? What did she say he saw? Well, what what he saw was uh, he was he was a painter. He was a lifelong painter. So I have. 800 of his paintings and wow. drawings and That's stuff. Awesome. They're gorgeous. But um, he was painting and he said that the colors were way more beautiful than <laughs> um, than he had ever worked with in life and he never got tired. Nice. And the other thing that he was doing was he was going around and helping people so that the woman who does singing bowls is something of a healer. Mm-hmm. And Dave always goes there with me, but he also goes there by himself. Nice. And he helps, helps people see that it's not that serious because he was kind of a jokester. <laughs> and so he lightens up, he lightens things up. He also blows out all her candles every time he goes. <laughs> every time he goes. That's and cool. she doesn't even bother anymore. <laughs> um, 
But it's it's so interesting to me that people are so scared of death. Yeah. When everybody dies. Everybody dies. It's that's I mean it's not quite the same as, you know, your your rent or things like that, but you have to pay rent, or at least most people do, you know. Uh you have to yeah. eat. You have to you have to almost look at it like one of those things. You have to die. You know, and that's yeah. There's a song. I'm not a huge country music fan, but there's one country music uh, country song that I remember that I actually dig. It's called uh, "Live Like You Were Dying," and it sounds yep. like that's what Dave and you did. You know, yeah. I mean, yep. it's it's. And for those listening, again, I'm, I don't even know who sang it or anything, but the lyrics always struck me where it's like it's about someone who has like a year left to live, and the person you know was surprised by how they were living. You, you are living proof of that. And, and it bought him, like I said, quality time. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so for those people who, who are, are saying, well, but it's not my time. Nobody knows when it's their time. You got it. I mean, imagine if we were to live like tomorrow could be the last day. You got it. That's so uh, yeah. You know, I I define I define loss in a very particular way, loss and transition, as the death of a future imagined or co-created that will never come to pass. Interesting. Because, yeah, because you don't go back. You can't go back. None of us will ever go back from this time. No. We're, yeah, it, it's it's. At least from these, from the hum, human experience, time is a linear thing. Right. You know, from a, from a quantum uh, 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 existence or a, um, what is it, uh, supernatural, however you want to call it, paranormal, whatever type of experience. For all we know, Dave has gone back and watched himself learn how to ride a bike. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, that's, yeah. that's you know, and there's there's talk that. That it's time is irrelevant on the other side. And so, you know, he knows <laughs> that he could come here and do things with you at certain times because he can just flip channels, essentially. You know, but when when you're talking from a from a human standpoint, yeah, time, all you have left is what you have left. You can't go back. Don't dwell on the past. Relive memories, but don't. Don't long for those because, you know, if there's one thing I've learned is that when you, well, I mean, there's several things when it comes to this, but, but one of the things I've learned growing older and I'm not, I'm not like, I'm old enough to know better now, <laughs> you know, I'm pushing 50 myself. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a case of don't long for the quote good old days because 20 years from now, these will be the good old days. Right. You know? And so. Right. It's, but yeah, I like, I like what you said. How, how, how did you put that again with the future? Uh, it's the death of the future imagined or co-created, which will now never come to pass. Yeah. So if you think about it, the loss of a person, I was with my husband for 25 years and suddenly he was gone and I was a widow. Yeah. And you didn't in imagine a, a, that. A, <laughs> and 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 you can't. I mean, the fact of the matter is, people say, you know, prepare yourself. It's impossible. I mean, I 
would, for almost the first year, when I was asleep, I could feel his body behind me in the bed. And then I would have that moment when I woke up and I would remember he was dead and it would be just that raw all over again. Oh, God. And I was sleeping in two-hour increments and people would say, well, why don't you take a nap? And I'm like, I can't take a nap because I can't do that more than once a day. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, because that reality kicks in every day then. Right. You know? Right. And that's... And... Damn. Yeah, and so part of Bad Widow was that all of the resources that I found, almost all of the resources I found were, were people who had pretty much come through it. And there was nobody speaking to the raw place I found myself. Yeah. So nothing resonated. And there was no one who had, um, you know, people saying, well, you should do this or you should do that. Or how do you feel? And I would think, well, how do you think I feel? You know, right. I, I'm going to be a cat woman. I might live the rest of my life alone. Yeah. You know, how do you think I feel? Yeah. Um, and they didn't mean anything by it. No, of course not. You know, but it's, um, it's kind I'm, of a, I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry I made you cry, is another thing people say. Ugh. And the fact of the matter is, they just didn't have that much power. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it is amazing how <clears throat> it is amazing how people have do have an expectation of how you're supposed right. to react. You know, I. I what, Speaking from experience, I had a friend when I was little, when I, when my, like I said, my dad died when I was 11 and the day after the funeral, I chose to go riding my bike with my other friends and this other friend that I had, she saw me riding yep. my bike and she was almost mad at me because she felt bad for me that I had just lost my dad. And she almost was offended by the fact that I was riding my bike out with my friends. It's like everybody processes grief differently. And for when people try and you know, they try and do, you know, the things that they think is what should happen. Right. That's honestly, that's kind of offensive to, to the person who's dealing with it. It's very offensive. Exactly. Know? That's how Bad Widow was born. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. It's like Because I, I thought, you know, this is not okay. And, and what was happening was that the people who loved me and wanted to support me weren't able to do it properly. And I was driving people away in droves Yeah, because I would get upset or angry. And I got really tired of people walking on eggshells around me. Yeah. And, and at the end I wound up, you know, I wound up doing things like going to a holiday party party and saying, look, I've been crying a lot. I might cry in the course of this party. I'm okay. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fix me. I don't need to be fixed. I'm okay. And I might cry. Yeah. And people weren't entirely comfortable with me being that straightforward about it. But I honestly didn't care. Exactly. And if they're going to be offended, then... 
excuse my French, fuck off. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. It's like, right. it's your grief. It's not their grief. But on the other hand, it was also comforting for me to be clear. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. You know, because then they didn't need to rush to my aid. Yeah. And the point at which I decided that I was not broken, that I could not be broken by circumstances, was critical. Because a lot of the people around me were treating me like I was going to be broken forever. Yeah. And so that showed up with pitying looks. It showed up with, um, you know, telling me what to do because that's what they would do in my situation. All, all that kind of thing. And probably um, half of them never have been through what you've gone through, you know, in the yeah. sense of a very close loved one. I mean, yeah, like we said, everybody loses somebody at some point, but how many of them right. have lost their spouse of 20 some years? Yeah. You know, and yeah, and, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I find that happens a lot with, with, uh, with death with people is, you know, and, and I personally, the way I do it for other people is it's like, if you need to talk, let me know. It happened. And I try to speak not, I don't want to say frankly about it, but I try to speak where it's like, it happened. We know this happened. If you need help, let me know. But I'm not going to sit there and try and dictate to you. Right. There's actually a better way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you a better way. Absolutely. Even than that. That's pretty good. But yeah. There's a better way. Uh, what, so, what do you, what, yeah, I'm curious. What, what did you discover is the best way to handle that? Because I'm going to come across people who I'm not going to know how to console. And I've been through death several times myself. Right. Um, for the most part, people who have gone through death, a, a death of a loved one, mm-hmm. um, or any kind of, any kind of traumatic event, actually, um, don't know what to ask for. Gotcha. So one of the things that you can do, so saying, um, you know, reach out and once when you know what I can do for you, they don't know, you know. And one of the things I heard a lot in my uh, widows and widowers group was, I just want them to know what I want, which is impossible. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's like going out on your first date and expecting the other person to get it right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But so what I recommend is to just talk about what's going on. Yeah. Listen to what the person says and make a suggestion based on what they said about what you could do. There you go. That, that makes sense. And then do it. Ask for guidance as you go along and then do it. But what I discovered is that if you can get clear about what they actually need and do it, it's a huge relief. You're not asking them to think because they can't. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had the attention span of a fruit fly. <laughs> I asked my mother once seven times when she was coming into the city to see me in yeah. a row. And then I said, text me because I couldn't hold it in my memory for any length of time. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, death, death knocks you sideways in terms of time. It completely changes the relationship to time. In New York, where we're really hit badly by COVID-19, I mean, and economically really badly. Oh, yeah. Um, time among, among my friends, it's, is it Wednesday or Thursday or is it? June. It's the city and that never sleeps is in a coma now. Yeah. There we really time is really wiggly for us right now. God. Um and it's very, very disorienting to have it be like that. I can only imagine. But yeah. Um and it, it's a it's a somewhat of a just it's a grief reaction, basically. Yeah. Well, you're grieving for the city. Yeah. Not to not just the, the 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 people who have you know been victimized by this you know this this outbreak, and the the visual references and everything are everywhere. I mean, you have you know, in other words, the 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 makeshift morgues and all those things that those yeah. are the kind of things that you read about in history books. Yep. Yeah. You know, and to see it firsthand, I couldn't even imagine. Uh, like I said, I drive down my road. Well, my wife drives. I've got health issues. We ride down the road and it's it looks normal. There's probably 80 percent of the normal traffic that we normally have. And you look at someplace like Times Square and you might see somebody jogging. <laughs> you know, it blows my mind. Yeah. It's it's yeah. And then to live right so, in it and see it, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. From my windows, I wake up every morning and I count the ambulances. God. Looking out the window right now, there are only three. Only three? Sometimes only three. Sometimes there are 20. Damn. Sometimes there are 20. The sirens go almost 24-7, though it's better now that a little over 100 people a day are dying. Jeez. Instead of 800. Instead of, yeah. Instead of 800. Um, You know, you can see the shapes of the refrigerated trucks. I live within um, five blocks of two ambulances. I mean, two hospitals. Um, Yeah, here comes one right now, a new one. Good God. Um, So it's in our face here. About in, in Manhattan, at least. Approximately 80 to 90% of everyone wear masks when they go out. Oh, I'm sure. And that's uh, it's what, really prevalent here. It, it blows my mind because I went to, my wife and I went to Target the other night and I think I counted like maybe five people who had masks on. Now, granted, it wasn't packed, but there were a lot of, right. you know, college student dude bros and, and I'm too tough for this kind of, you know, born to be wild kind of people that were walking around and, and they were acting like they were untouchable. It's like, yeah, but you know what? Just out of sheer respect for other people. Because you don't know. Nobody knows. I look at that as selfish. You know? Well, I think it is selfish. It's, I mean, I is. think that I think that people are looking at the person in front of them. And they're not looking at the person in front of them as part of a whole circle of other people. Bingo. You, you know, know if, if, if I get sick. 
my 97-year-old mother-in-law runs out of food. Exactly. And I thought I had COVID-19. I was sick. I quarantined myself for 14 days. Turned out I didn't. But my mother-in-law was down to four cans of tuna. Wow. Four cans of tuna. Now, she has some other resources. So yeah. she, But I'm the one who brings her groceries. I'm yeah. the one who brings her stuff. Yeah. And, and you don't know who you're looking at. Well, and let's be honest. We live in a society now where most people are pretty self-centered. Most people don't think about anybody else but themselves. And it's, it's through various reasons. We can go on for hours about this. And so, therefore, right. they're not going to, you know, I mean, it, it, ride public transportation. You see people standing in the aisle and you'll see somebody with their feet up on the seat next to them. You know, right, right. I see it all the time. And uh, well, not not lately, but, um, uh, you know, the people who <clears throat> we're in the middle of this pandemic and there are people getting mad because they're taking so long because they stocked up on their two weeks worth of groceries rather than going out every few days. You know, right. and it's like it's like uh, it, it's I just want to I just want to smack them and say, you know, think about somebody else other than yourself. You don't know if that person who's got a cart full of groceries is bringing it to five family members, you know, just anything like that. Because people look on the surface. They don't ever, they don't even think to look beneath the surface most of the time. Right, you know? right. But, yeah, and that's, it's unfortunate. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this whole thing slowly wakens people up to, like we said earlier, what's important. And, you know, making, making more effort to, live in harmony a little bit more but yeah you know when every time i see some kind of story that makes me go oh that's awesome then i see some asshole who's blowing the horn because the light turned green and he and the person didn't move two you know half a second earlier it's just right ugh, exactly blows my mind it's it's amazing i mean my my hope is that this will produce some my hope is that it doesn't go back to business as usual because you know without the people working in the grocery stores we would all be up a creek oh yeah yeah every time i go you know? i thank the people that you know that work in the grocery stores i thank the people who work at the you know any of the gas stations anything like that i thank them because they don't i don't think i think people just take them for granted right right you know i mean yeah thank the first responders Thank the people who are the medical people, the people that are in those, but also thank the other people too. Yeah, the ones who have to go out. I mean, we have the for the the, the medical people, we have a clap back at seven o'clock every night. What 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 do you mean? Oh, I guess you don't have it. Um, so clap back is uh, at seven o'clock. People open their windows. They come out on the street opposite the hospital. The people in the hospital come out. And we clap for them and cheer for them. Oh, that's awesome. That Yeah, I guess I, I hadn't seen that one. People around here do the whole, like, wolf howling at 8 p.m. As okay. Like a, a wolf pack type of, th- type of thing. But you know what? Now that you mentioned, I think I have heard about, I have seen, like, uh, uh, YouTube videos of people clapping outside of hospitals and things like that. And, yes, they need that. They, the, 
anybody that I know of who works in the medical industry, my sister works in the medical industry. My, my wife has this uh, classmate from high school who posted on Facebook and she's like, you know, if you freaking people would just wake up, you know, stop having your barbecues and stop doing all this kind of stuff. It's like, we're seeing people come in and this is a small town, you know, this is sagging. Wow. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's a case of, of, you know, people, it's exhausting. You know, I mean, I read a, I read a story just the other day of a, of a, of a nurse who, he since he couldn't go to his um he, he he was addicted to like heavy substances and like i'm assuming heroin or meth or something like that and but he was a yep. nurse and he was in rehab and because he couldn't get to his rehab meetings because of covid he relapsed and you know this kind mm. of stress that he's dealing with anyway long story short they found him in his car in front of his mom's house mm. you know and it's it's because these people are dealing with the stress. It's a war. I mean, yeah, anybody who's been in, in actual war would be like, well, this is nothing like war. Of course, it's it's a different type of war. It's a war we've never fought, at least not in modern times. The closest thing we had to something like this was in 1918. And usually right, what it was right. is they just boarded people up in their house and checked on them in a few weeks, you know? And this is a whole different kind of war. And the thing that makes it different is the same way that the Vietnam War was different is up until then, you heard stories. It wasn't until, you know, actually it was it was really with Gulf War, where we were seeing bombs and everything on TV, you know, active, you know, right in your face. Yep, yep. This is that kind of a war in the sense that this is a different type of pandemic that we're seeing firsthand. And we're seeing it, you know, you're seeing it literally firsthand, but in the news, in the media, the news spreads quickly. And of course, when you've got news spreading quickly, you also have incorrect information spreading quickly. And those right. two things are fighting each other. Well, you know, we're we're just absolutely grateful that we have Cuomo yeah. running New York. Yeah, because he's you at know, least he's sane, informative, totally. clear, totally. I mean, doesn't get he's he's like the buck stops with me. Yeah, you got a problem? You come to me. I'll 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 handle it. Totally. Things yeah. I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know him. Yeah, he doesn't try and play politics and bullshit and and, and step oh. around topics and everything. I have noticed that about him. And he's one of the oh, forefront of fabulous. It. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, um so it's but it's it's this so death I had eleven months to come to terms and that was really really hard, really incredible to have that time, like all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, the helplessness and the hopelessness, but the people who have people dying of this, Oh God, they can't see their loved ones. Yeah. That's the thing you know, that terrifies me the most out of this. It's not the dying. I mean, that's scary, mm -hmm. but I've yep. made peace with, I mean, I'm doing a podcast about death. I've made peace that, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the idea of dying. I'm afraid right. of dying in a hospital bed or my wife or my son or anybody else that I care about dying in a hospital bed alone, waking up periodically yep. going, where the hell am I? And then yep. passing out again. And then finally, when it's their last breath, if they're lucky to have a stranger come hold their hand, you know? Yeah. And that's what's scary as hell about this whole thing. And I think that's one of the things that people don't really consider. 
Well, and there was there was really a deep comfort for me to have my husband die in my arms, to not be afraid when he was dying, for me to be able to be there touching him. Totally. I mean, a deep comfort for that. And you don't get that with this. No. I mean, and so the the there's no closure. There's no, you know, I can't even imagine the horror. I, of it. Yeah. I really can't. And and the the inability to grieve but touch the person. Yeah, you know, That's... it's sad to lose someone. But oh yeah. To to not. You know, to to say goodbye over FaceTime. Yeah. Or to not even be able to say goodbye because you assumed they were going to pull out of it. Yeah. You know, or hoped they were going to pull out of it. You know, it's just, it's, this is a monster we've never faced before. Not like this. Well, and, and it's really, and it, it really brings home that I love you is something that should be said Early and often, I've, because I, you don't know. I've I've lived by that for years, you know. Ever since my wife, my, I grew up in a household where I think I heard my dad say "I love you" twice, and yeah, my, I was just, it was just one of those families. And then when my brother, sorry, I hit the mic when my brother died, um, it brought the family closer together, and we, you know, we toast him on his, the anniversary of his death. Um, yeah. We, we keep, yeah. you know, we keep in contact and, and we're all jokesters at heart. You know, we, we laughed at his funeral. We've told funny stories at his funeral. And a lot of people do that, you know, but yeah, yeah. we weren't, we weren't um, very close in that regard. And that has changed, you know, not for all of us. And of course it, 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 it wavers, it comes and goes, but my mom, I never heard that growing up from my mom, you know, and now yeah. we say it. Now, whenever I talk to her, she's she's got Alzheimer's and she's unfortunately in a nursing home now. So I don't get to see her very often. But when I talk to her, I tell her, you know, yeah. admittedly, yeah. I don't know if she knows which brother I am, but <laughs> I, I made and it may that. not matter. And it doesn't and it matter. May not exactly. Matter. You know, so and it's just it's one of those things where. um, Yeah, because you you don't know when it's going to happen, you know, and and I can only imagine if the day happened where something happened to my son or happened to my wife or, you know, whoever. And I didn't let them know that that's, you know, and how many people are, are their family members going off to, you know, COVID or whatever. I mean, this is in the sense, when you talk about war, this is one of those things where like in, in regular wartime, people sign up for the military and they get, you know, or they get drafted back in the day or they, you know, they go overseas, there's letters to home, there's things like that. And then you might yep. get a folded flag, and that's devastating, of course. And you didn't get the chance to say goodbye or anything like that. The differences with this is it's a is it's a two week period of time. You know, yeah. there's not that hope that they're coming home for several years, and you know, or or if they now by modern technology able to call home and check in every once in a while and do those kinds of things. Someone goes off. It's it. You know, it's it could be the last time you see them. You don't know. You don't know. You just and, don't know. And you're going to find out quickly, you know, and, and it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, um, you know, the thing, the thing that really concerns me about this is, is the stuff that my work is about, which is about people knowing that they're not broken. 
because everyone being thrown out of work and some people identified themselves with their work. Yeah. Might feel broken. Yeah. People who have lost family members might feel broken. And we, we shame people in this state. <laughs> you know, there's this pity that comes about. It's walking on eggshells nonsense that happens. Yeah. Walking and one on of the worst things. Yeah. No, continue. Sorry. You know, one of the worst things you can do for someone is, is not to hold out for them who they are inherently. Yeah. That this is a circumstance. It's not who they are. 100%. That's, and that's, I mean, I'll be honest with you. My, my last episode, I was talking about how I was fortunate to work from home. Well, since then, and this has only been a couple of days, now I'm looking at quite possibly losing my job. I'm a contractor, mm. and it's looking like it's going to come to an end. Now, fortunately, contracting in the IT world does not define me. <laughs> right. I don't feel that. But I am still going to be defined or feel you know, like, oh, crap, I'm unemployed now. You know, uh, yep. I, I'm an art major stuck in the IT world, so – I, I'm a fish out of water at every job, you know. So, but um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I just it's 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 one of those things where walking on eggshells and and talking with kid gloves around people is a form of you know patronization. I think when you do that, it's yep. it's not to use it, but it's it's kind of like the equivalent of when a kindergartner brings home a, a painting and you go, that's fantastic, the best painting in the world. It's like, is it really though? Well, you know, but, but right, you're right. saying it that way to make them feel better. And when you're doing, you know, when you're doing that kind of stuff with people and you're trying to make them feel better and you're walking in eggshells and you don't want to bring up the topic, you're not acknowledging it and you're basically making it to where they're not normal at that point. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, the only thing that I could do was I just kept building net. I just kept looking. It's it's in my nature as a person mm -hmm. to de deconstruct what's not working and make it work in some way. So nice. when my my memory was, I mean, I would lose, you know, 10 minutes, an hour, a week regularly at the beginning. Damn. It was really, really disorienting. And so I started putting everything immediately into my calendar on my phone because otherwise it was gone. Yeah. Um, energy. I, I would have lots of energy and no energy. So days I had lots of energy. I went really, really, really fast because I didn't know if the next day I would have that energy. That I couldn't sense. count on it. Um, I couldn't remember to eat. Wow. So I had, from the moment I thought, oh, I'm hungry, I had perhaps two minutes to get to the kitchen. Wow. And so I put baskets of power bars all over the apartment so that I would have a visual reminder, oh, yeah, food. <laughs> That's. But it worked. But yeah, you no, know? It, 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 well, and, and you figured out what worked. Yeah, yeah. You know, because to get back from to get back from feeling broken, I had to just keep pushing out my own boundaries. Yeah. I mean, it would have been much easier in some ways just to stay rolled up in a ball. Oh, I'm sure. 
but my 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 husband had a studio I had to break down. Oh. He had been in it for thirty years. There were a thousand paintings. He had eight bookshelves. That is awesome. You know, I had to I had to close down the studio, bring all the paintings home. It was it was quite the task. When oh, I'm sure. The, the, I'm just every time I walked in, I cried. I just want to say it's awesome that he had a thousand paintings. Not that you had to tear that down. I'm not. I I'm impressed when somebody is a prolific artist and can you know get work out. I've done very little myself, you know, I, I, I changed gears and went more into the video side of things, you know, but, uh, um, that's awesome that he had a studio that he had that much work and he was able to do that. The fact that he was a commissioned painter is impressive, yep. you know, but, but having to go in and ha cause art is a piece of, you know, that's a piece of the artist and to have to yep. physically touch those and have all those memories come flooding to you in that moment I, I can only imagine how devastating that would be from the standpoint of every single time you touch one of those it's he, a bit of him is there well the other thing is that that um the, the strongest sense the strongest visceral sense and one of the oldest mm -hmm. is smell oh yeah and my husband painted in oils and he cut the um the thing that kept it wet was clove oil Okay. And so every time I stepped in there, there would be the smell of oil and clove oil that just hit me like a blow. Ugh, yeah. It was crazy. I can't, it was yeah. crazy. And, that, you know, I'm glad to have all the paintings, but it was, it was something. It's, yeah, that it's one of those things that there's no mistaking that that is tied to him, that clove oil. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I when I fell in love again, um, I needed to find a man who was okay with. I mean, it's not a couple pictures around. <laughs> it's fifty-seven pictures on the wall and a further seven hundred and something in racks and flat files. And <laughs> <laughs> that's great. A confident man I needed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and found. Yeah. And found. That's awesome. That's very cool. And and, and he's uh that's good that you were able to find somebody, you know. Um it, it took my mom probably you know, ten years or so. Um and uh and maybe not that long, but it's it's you know, and that's another thing is people people like to put a well, there's a certain amount of time. No, it's not. It's it's when you're comfortable and ready for that. You know, it's one of those things that there is no defining there's no defining way to grief. You've proved that with with what you're doing. You know, there's a way that you can help with it. But, you know, there are people yep. I mean, yeah, admittedly, if somebody, you know, if somebody's buried and two weeks later they got a boyfriend, it's kind of like, okay, how much life insurance policy did you take out? You know? Right, so right. Eyebrows are raised. But I mean, some people are like, oh, you gotta wait at least five years. What? You know, you got to wait so much time. You got to do, but you know, it's like no, it's it's it depends on the person. And 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 one of the best things I've heard on one of my podcasts was in terms of you know everybody's life is different, so everybody's death. Why would everybody's death be the same? Well, why would everybody's grief be the same? Right, right. You know, yeah. And so grief is different for everybody. Well, and and for 
the idea of being intimate with another person was beyond my comprehension. So I started with, I'd like to do things I enjoy doing with men. Yeah. And I went on Bumble to do that. And I was terrified. I'm sure. Absolutely terrified. But it was, I want to go listen to music or have dinner or, you know, and, and so that's where it started. But I had, you know, revulsion reactions to being touched for six months. I can, yeah, I, I can understand that. That's. Um, and, and this is, actually, this is something interesting about death. So my husband died, not my choice, not his choice necessarily. <laughs> but um, though there was a, a moment where where he decided I could feel him decide not to fight his way back. Um, you know, and, and it was okay. It would have taken a lot to fight his way back. Um, but you know, there is, there is a tipping point moment usually, um, where it is a choice of some kind. Yeah. And going one way or the other has has consequences. Yeah, totally, totally. But the the interesting thing about death when when the person who dies is a spouse is that um, I I have a boyfriend. I also have a husband mm-hmm. because he was never not a husband, and every widow I know has a husband. Yeah. Now, they may have a second husband as well, but because it wasn't a choice, it's an it, which is really weird. That makes sense. Yeah. Really weird. And so what that means is that one of the hardest things was seeking, being open to seek love for myself again, because it felt like a huge betrayal. I can see that. Because he, no one says, unless you know, unless it was a, an actual ex-husband, no one says my, you know, or I should say, people say my husband died, my wife died. Right. They are still your wife. They're just no longer there. They are still your husband. He is Dave is just no longer there. And so yeah, exactly, it feels like you still had that connection of spouse to them. So yeah, that makes total sense. But it makes it makes death of a spouse makes being willing to love again really complicated and really hard. I can, I can imagine that. I mean, I so that's I, something people don't really talk about much. No, no. And that's one thing that terrifies me with my wife is I am completely fine with her moving on. If I go first, chances are, I probably will. She's got longevity in her house or her, her side of the family. My dad was gone by 50, you know, so, and I'm pushing 50. I'm not saying that's, you know, necessarily the case, but I'm not in the best of health myself. But, uh, um, but the fact of the matter is, is that I'm, I'm terrified that she's going to feel like she can't, you know? Right. Um, and, and who knows how much time I have? I mean, I might have another 20 years. I might have, if I, nobody if I get knows. sick, nobody knows. That's the thing is, again, that's, that comes back full circle to the whole, make sure you tell people you love them because, I could go out tomorrow and get hit by a car, you know? Um, right. But yeah, that, <clears throat> that whole, 
fear of her, you know, not to mention the fear of, of her finding, you know, an asshole, you know, who's not good to him. You know, you sound like you, you found a good guy. That's also well, hard too. Dave says he found my good guy, but that's another story. <laughs> I was going to say, so I'm assuming Dave's okay. Well, that right there says he is. <laughs> he's, he's very insistent that he found this guy for me. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. <laughs> well, hey, um, <laughs> uh, we can talk. I, I, that, that sounds like a good place to stop at this point. Uh, we might have to do a part two here to hear more of that story. But uh, anyway, um, hey, I, I really, Allison, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing that, you know, that story of of what happened. And like I said, I, I kind of wanted to. I did want to listen to the other episode because I wanted to hear, I wanted to get this in hell. It, you brought me to tears. You know that has not happened on this podcast, and it's a podcast about no. death. You know, yeah, and yep. so it's an amazing story, and I do, uh, you know, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated the conversation. It was I. I love having these conversations that go where they do. Yes, I agree. It's the best. Definitely, definitely. So, well, hey, you, uh, you take care and uh, stay safe. You too. You know, you're in the epicenter, and it's. Uh, yeah, I don't I I don't have words. So <laughs> just all I can say is stay safe. Yes, you too. Thank you. You too. Don't don't take this lightly. I know. And this is t- coming from somebody who knows definitely not to. Yeah. You know, you you of of anybody in any city in the world, you know that. So Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> have a great night. You too. I almost don't want to end the call, but we got to. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Allison. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And that was my conversation with Allison Pena. It's just interesting to get a firsthand glimpse into what's going on with everything in the world. And she's right there, right at the front door of it. So if you'd like to learn more from her perspective, just in life in general, check out badwidow.com. And also, I highly recommend checking out her husband's gallery. Uh, There's a virtual gallery online, and I will include the link to that in the show notes as well. And in the meantime, have yourself a good day. Have yourself a good life.